and uh, we've had the privilege of of knowing your pastor and his wife uh, for a number of years, and and Pat, uh, we've. Parker and I have also gone to China several times together, and as you know, he's, he's traveled to other countries and, and England, worked in, in England and in Belgium and other places. Uh, I encourage you to send him, but I encourage you to take him. I encourage you to go by yourself. Uh, may God bless you as your church uh, continues to expand its vision of missions, and as you continue to send your own members, as you have uh, as an example in, in this missions conference. Uh, I want to thank everyone for inviting us and for all the work that all of you have done and all the great meals that we've had here. Um, thank you very much, and, and for the Fountains for having us uh, in their home. This has been a, a delightful weekend. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 14. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, 14. And if you're that quick, uh, put your finger in 2 Timothy 2, 2, 2, Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2. In Luke 14, this is one of those uh, tougher passages of Scripture that um, causes some people... um, a lot of concern. It, uh, it's the, the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Luke 14, I'll begin our reading at verse 25. Hear now the reading of God's holy word in Luke 14, 25. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and he was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. Therefore, salt is good, but if salt has become tasteless, with what will it be seasoned? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then turn with me to 2 Timothy Two, two. It's an easy one to remember. It's the, it's the theme verse of, of my mission organization, International Exchange Organization. Um, here, uh, Paul is telling his young disciple, Timothy. He says, then, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men also. Several generations of disciples there. He says, be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that you've heard in the presence of many witnesses, you pass on to faithful men who will teach others also. That's far the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for this conference and for how you are calling men and women even out of this congregation and from around the world to go and share your good news, to translate the scriptures, to reach uh, those who are in darkness, uh, to uh, take our skills and our our gifts and our, our occupations and use those as ways to reach others. Because when they see the love that we have for them, they, they will want to know the love that has changed our hearts. Bless these missionaries uh, as they leave here. Bless this congregation that it would continue and faithful to be faithful to serve you and to send your gospel message throughout all these areas around Bruton and around the world. In Christ's name, amen. When we look at that passage uh, from Luke, it's a spellbinder. Uh, Jesus is in a crowd, and he says, are you my disciple? He didn't say, do you attend church? He didn't say, uh, do you give? He didn't say, are you in the crowd? Are you just kind of one of the people, or, or at least you say, I'm pro-God. I'm, you know, I'm not against God. I'm I'm at least pro-God. I don't know if I'm a a believer. He didn't say that. He said, are you my disciple? And he says, if you are, plan on losing your family things in life. And that's just hard to take. I mean, how's that for an opener? How's that for a recruiting pitch? You know, that's that's not much of a, a marketing strategy. Be my disciple and lose it all. And by the way, go and pass it on to others. Um, every indication that we have here in this text says that the crowd gathered and they picked up stones to stone him. It, it says in, in John 6, it says that they gathered, yet many heard it and said, this is a difficult statement. Who can accept it? I mean, some of you may have, said that while I was reading it. This is, this is a difficult statement. And it says uh, later on in that passage in John, it says the crowd came and some of them were even disciples. And this is what it said of them. And some of the disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And soon after that, they, they waved palm branches at him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And a week later, they said, Crucify him, crucify him. So what would compel you or anyone else to follow, to follow someone like this? What would compel you to, to do these things and to believe this way? I believe that even though Jesus presents to us some dire demands, 
that God in all his wisdom has created us with a longing for him. You can go to any part of the world and, and as, as Freddie and Becca have been to the other parts of the world, they know that you go into some of these villages and there is a longing for him. They don't know the word. They don't know, but they desire him. They seek him. And as, as Chuck has shared with us, uh, they come out of Bedouin tribes in, in Afghanistan and, and remote places, and they see visions and have dreams, and, and they're drawn to the church. And I don't understand all of it, but I've heard so many of them share with me those very things. And they've come, and they've sought, they've sought the gospel, and they, and they, they hear it preached in in places like Istanbul on their, on their travels, on their way there, and then to Athens, the gateway into, into Europe, and then all these other uh, fellowship groups that have started as a result. But God has created us with this longing for him. He's also created us with the longing to seek eternal things, to seek those things which are above. And I believe what we're trying to say to you here is that the only way that you can seek a noble cause is to be a noble person, not vaulted by society and lifted up in the eyes of men as honorable, but as those who have a noble cause because they have a noble savior and they become a disciple and they want to go and be a part of this noble mission. And so regardless of the, of the cost, we still desire him. And regardless of the, of the cost, we pass on his word. We have a divine longing to be a part of something greater than ourselves. And we've seen that throughout history. Um, how many of you read David McCullough's big tome on uh, uh, the, the river, the, uh, the path between the seas? Have you ever read that book? It's about how we dug the Panama Canal. If you love history, it's a phenomenal book. I mean, what a, what a phenomenal endeavor to try to dig a canal across one of the most formidable um, jungles in all the world with malaria and, and all of the pestilence and everything. And then as they dug the thing and they put in the walls, the mud that was so deep just kept oozing right back in and filled it up. And it went over and over and over again. And it, it, it was a a really phenomenal feat when they dug the Panama Canal or D-Day. Some of you may have been, been there. Um, some of you, your parents um, were there where, where the Allies marshaled all these men and material and faked out the Germans and, and landed in Normandy and, and invaded, uh, invaded the Nazi Europe. Incredible, all that happened around that. I love reading... Uh, uh, some of the World War II history. My father uh, served in the Pacific, and, and I have uh, a lot of interest in that. Or some of you may even have been alive uh, during the Apollo project. I was. I, I grew up in Miami. I saw some of the, uh, the rocket launches. And, and to, to think that uh, from when President Kennedy announced that we would go to the moon in this decade, and we made it in 1969, and, and they actually landed on the moon. I mean, it was phenomenal that they did it, and they didn't even have cell phones like we have today. And matter of fact, 
my cell phone has more power than most of the computers that NASA had back in those days. It's just beyond imagination. Uh, the westward expansion of, of the United States. Did you know that, that Bruton was a part of the West at one point? You know, people had to come a long way to get to Bruton and then all the way out to California. I mean, that, we, we hear all those stories. And then what about, what about things like the China Inland Mission and, and Hudson Taylor? The name, they didn't just choose the name China Inland Mission, but it was a concept that most of the mission activity in the world was on all the seacoast. And in Africa and in China, they said, we must get to the interior. We must penetrate these, these uh, nations and countries and islands and, and, and vast uh, continents. I mean, a vast enterprise. And Jesus says to us, he says, if you want to follow me in this greatest venture of all, he says that you need to examine your heart you need to count the cost. He, needs, he says that you need to take up your cross and follow me and then share it with others also. And that's what I'm wanting to talk about this morning. When we go back to our text in verse 26, he says, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That is so hard. I've, I've struggled with that passage my whole life. Many of you have too. Uh, Ray Cortez, one of our PCA ministers, says, you are not a disciple unless you have given your whole heart to me. He says, uh, and the scripture says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And, and uh, love the Lord like God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and, and strength. <laughs> I can't even say it. Um, everything else doesn't come close. So that, so that when the rich young ruler says to Jesus, oh, I've kept the law, and he says, have you really loved me with all that? And you go, well, maybe not. You know, I, I do this and I do that and, and I'm a pretty good person, but have you really given all that and so he says it's a comparison here it's not as if it's ac active hostility against your family but in in all these relationships your relationship with God the father is so deep and so profound that it appears uh, that it is it is hate and he's not talking about just being you know um, a positive Christian or pro-God because being pro-God without passion is like hating God and loving yourself. Uh, if you just like God enough to uh, get by and I'm, I don't want to get too involved, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, too into this, and, and so you really don't have it, you really are loving yourself. And Jesus is trying to show you the difference here. And so... The, uh, the disciple gets to the heart of the matter, but also the disciple counts the cost, the cost of discipleship. He says, you cannot be my disciple unless you count the cost. Um, I think here, you know, we need to re realize that Jesus did not dupe us into some kind of uh, Ponzi scheme. You know, come on, I've got a great life for you and everything. And then you know, he pulls the rug out from under you and, and gives you all these trials. no. 
he, he says that if you're, if you're going to come after me, you're going to bear my cross. You're going you're to have to, uh, if they hated you, they're going to, uh, if, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Uh, it's, it's not a, a luxury vacation thing that they do a bait and switch on you. Uh, life is made up of many decisions that we make here and there, uh, whether they're big or small. And when we look at our life, we have to reassess our life and, and see, God, what have you called me to be? What have you called me to do? And, and put it out there. In reality, uh, we're, we're having to count the cost as, as the builder did and as, as the king did in, in the battle. Unfortunately, I think the problem with the church today is that many of us have counted the cost and like the disciples, we decided to walk away. We've counted the cost and we say, that's too high for me. I'm not ready for that. Uh, I don't know how to do that. It, it takes faith to count the cost and to step forward, not knowing into the darkness. Um, I've shared with uh, the men the other day that uh, when we met, went to Mexico, I thought I'd counted the cost on a lot of things, um, you know, prepared ourselves and knew what I was getting into. And, and, uh, and even when some bad things happened to us and, and, uh, and uh, had my life threatened and, and things like that, it, it didn't bother me because I'd counted the cost until they beat up my daughter on the school bus when, you know, she was just in like fourth or fifth grade. And I hadn't counted that cost. <laughs> and, and it undid me. And uh, that really brought to reality what, what Dale and I had committed. It, it, it was a, an important time in my life. Uh, I had to realize that, that uh, taking my daughter and putting her in this situation is also a part of the cost of discipleship. He says also that a disciple is the salt of the earth. Our call is missional. And, and the answer to the world of the gospel is that we bring uh, a a wonderful savor uh, and preservation to the world. Uh, uh, just like Andrew is going to go into an arid area and his understanding of, of plant management and plant science and everything is going to be a saltiness, a, a savor, uh, a preservation of, of the earth and of, of life itself um, there in Senegal. Uh, this is the kind of, of thing that, that you are on the city council or you are in a job or you are uh, at a school or, or in a neighborhood. And when the discussion comes up and when problems are, are put out there, your wisdom or your quietness, your humility are the things that brings preservation to that group or that society. Uh, as a disciple... Uh, you can go and you can teach and you can heal and you can care, go to someone's house that you're not normally going to go to. You can come alongside a teacher. You can, you can have a Sunday school class or a circle that takes on a particular missionary and loves them and makes sure that, that everything is working out for them with their family and their children and their transportation and, and everything that goes along with it. You can send. You can pray. You can... 
you can be creative with your, with your life, as I shared with you some of the ideas of how to be creative uh, with your faith promise giving. Now, do you want to follow me? He says, you've got to count the cost. You've got to examine your heart. He says, you've got to take up your cross daily and follow me. But he also says, as we read in 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, a disciple multiplies. He does not just uh, have a relationship with God where he is being fed and he is growing, but he also makes disciples. And so uh, in 2 Timothy 2.2, it says that you are a disciple not in your own strength. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's the only way you can do it. There's no difference between any of you sitting in the pew and any of, of those who go overseas. You both have to be drawing on the Lord's presence. You have to be close to him. You have to be in his word. Uh, when I was uh, <clears throat> uh, running a big project in Mexico City, you know, at that time it was the largest city in the world with over 20 million people. And uh, I needed 16 interns, and I was going to get six of them from the Mexican church. And so I needed MTW to send me uh, 10 interns for the summer to run this project. And I get this uh, uh, message about two months before the summer started, a panic letter, saying, Sorry, Dan, we, don't, we only have three Spanish speakers uh, who signed up to be interns this year. And I wrote back and I said, oh, you must have missed what I asked for. I never asked for Spanish speakers. It doesn't matter whether they speak Spanish or any other language. I want godly young people. Because, you see, godliness makes a difference in every home that they're going to live in. Whether they speak Spanish or not, they're going to communicate. They'll be like me, charades. You know, you just kind of whatever. And and all of a sudden you're communicating. Uh, but a, a godly countenance, a, a godly person will communicate more than one who knows the language. Uh, so you don't go in your own strength, but you go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in your own words or your own agenda. He says, these things you have heard of me in the presence of many witnesses. These are God's word, not your own. This is not something that you come up on your own. Uh, not keep it to yourself. He says, commit these words to faithful men. The things that you've heard from me, you commit to faithful men and make sure that, that God is, is, is passing on that message uh, through another generation of people. And then it's not a short-term investment. He says it's like compound interest. It's compound faithfulness that those faithful men will pass it on to others also. And so <clears throat> D.L. Moody he once said, it is better to train 10 people than to do the work of 10 people. But it's a lot harder to train 10 people. Passing it on. Pouring your life into other people. Uh, trainers of training. If you are a disciple of Jesus, there's one more thing that you must do. Yes, you must have a compelling desire to follow a worthy cause. You must give your whole heart to Christ and count the cost and take up your cross daily. You must be a, a savory witness of Jesus Christ and, and multiply disciples. But a disciple also 
remembers his death until he comes. And so as you have communion served, and you come here and you commune with Christ and, and commune together with God, you are actually being a part of God's worldwide discipleship makers by remembering his death until he comes, by being faithful to say, yes, I am reminded that he gave his body and his blood for me and that there's nothing I have to offer this world. There's nothing that I can do, even trying to be a disciple, trying harder. I can only do it through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that is provided for me. And I will do this until he returns. May God bless you with a longing for God and to be his disciple. I'd like to close my prayer with a prayer that uh, John Piper prayed. And if you'll bow your heads with me, I'll read this prayer. May God help you. May God free you. May God give you a fresh Christ-exalting vision for your life. Whether you go to an unreached people or stay firmly and fruitfully at your present post, may your vision get its meaning from God's great purpose to make the nations glad in him. May the cross of Christ be your only boast. And may you say with sweet confidence, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen.